This episode of According to Flint is brought to you by the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who is proud to bring the Western lifestyle and outdoor enthusiasts together for conservation projects, enhancing elk habitat, and ensuring the future of America's hunting heritage. Visit rmef.org for more information. Thanks for listening, and enjoy this episode of According to Flint. Welcome to According to Flint, the innovative podcast reaching beyond the Western demographic with stories, humor, and interviews. Now, here's your host, Flint Rasmussen. This, along with every episode of According to Flint, brought to you by Pendleton Whiskey. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, a whiskey that captures that unique spirit in every bottle. A whiskey made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood glacier water. A whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That is Pendleton whiskey, and that's true Western tradition. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Well, welcome to episode number 47 of According to Flynn and being joined, of course, today by the, oh, I had to, I had to make sure I had it right, the 12-time PBR Stock Contractor of the Year coming to us from lovely, it's the home of the Braves, Mandan, North Dakota, the one and only Chad Berger. Mandan Braves, right? I'm right yeah, on that. Yeah, go Braves, man. <laughs> you, yeah. uh, um, I, first of all, because we were talking before we started recording and we get a lot of people that listen to this that are PBR fans, some rodeo fans, some people that aren't, but a lot that don't understand truly kind of the cattle industry because the bull industry is kind of an offshoot. It's a, I hate to say a novelty business, but a specialty business, but the cattle business is also your thing. Where were you today and explain what you did today before we went on the air? Well, I got up in the morning and I drove down I-94 to Jamestown, North Dakota, about 110 miles straight east of us here and went to a cattle auction. I do that uh, four or five days a week for, I've been, I used to do it six days a week and I've been doing this for, this is my 42nd year. So, and, so what do you do? You got to explain, uh, what are you looking for, to do? How, how do you make, okay. mo- how do you make money at yeah. that? Well, number one, I'm a, I'm a livestock what you'd call an order buyer. I have orders all over the United States that when people need cattle, they call me and I go to the cattle auctions and I find what they're looking for. That's one way that that's my main business. And then we also feed a lot of cattle right here on my ranch. And, and we grass, we grass about 3000 yearlings and about 800 cows every summer. And, uh, you know, it's, so we buy them all winter long, getting them ready, groomed and, ready for grass and, and uh, then we finish some cattle in some commercial lots and uh, fattened cattle and but uh, I, I, I like to think that we we're one of the biggest order buyers in the country me and my older brother Fred and now my son-in-law JR he goes to some sales and, and between the three of us we we probably buy a couple hundred thousand cattle a year what how many did you buy today well, today was a real small sale, but one guy brought a string of his steers in there, and I bought uh, 
four semi-loads, 856-pound steers. It was uh, 287 head in one draft, and I bought them all, and they, they bring uh, about $1,400, a little over $1,450 by the head. I give 169.75 cents a pound for them. Oh, and uh, they're going all the way to northwest Iowa, down around Sioux Center, Iowa, where those those farmers there will fatten them. They'll take them up to about 1,600 to 1,700 pounds, and then they'll go to slaughter for you know, them good steaks you eat downtown. <laughs> so you're, are you paid, and this is for mine too, I even though I grew up around ranch and I've never quite understood the cattle buying, how do yeah. you, what, where is the money you make on that? Is it on the well, gain? The, is it on the yeah. gain once you sell them again? Well, not when I do what I did today. That's, I just get paid a commission for my, my uh, uh, buying the cattle for the guy. I get a commission. But on these uh, cattle that I feed on myself, yeah, we get, it costs you so much a pound to put it on. And, and uh, hopefully it's more, it's less than what you get for them when you sell them. <laughs> but uh, the feed prices have just went through the wolf and it's, it's just killing the, these feeders. Uh, uh, you know, corn went from $3 a bushel to seven and a half, eight. Uh, you know, uh, just all the feeds. Uh, hay is extremely short in the country. It went from 100 to 150 a ton to 250 to 350 dollars a ton, so the cost of gain is enormous right now. But the fat cattle are bringing quite a bit more, and it kind of balances it out. And and now people always think uh, cheap fat feed high cattle, but it, it, cheap feed creates cheaper cattle because they put too many pounds on them because it's, it's cheap to do it. And then when you get to your carcass weights when they go to the plants are up 10 pounds, 20 pounds, 30 pounds a head. Well, when you're killing 135,000 head a day, you know, take 10 pounds and you just uh, got added another uh, million point three pounds of beef to the slaughter a day. So with high price feed, what happens is them, when them cattle are finished, they sell them because it uh, uh, cost of gain is so, uh, so high once they get to that point that you can't afford to feed them, so you just so basically it pushes cattle to the market and keeps the carcass weights down. Then pretty soon your carcass weights go down. You got less meat in storage, hmm. and that's so high cattle, high grain will eventually make high cattle, and cheap cattle, cheap grain feed will eventually make cheaper cattle. See, look, I learned today. I should have talking to you, Chad. It really shines a light that maybe I should have been in FFA or something. Like I should have yeah. known that shit. I should, yeah. <laughs> I should know this stuff. Right. Um, isn't it something though? As you're talking, I mean, I in general understand buy cattle, fatten them. It's it's the true stock market, you know. Hoping yeah. your gamble pays off, but just the uh, taking cattle to slaughter, the process of getting carcasses where you want them. Isn't it amazing how many people in this country have no idea where their food comes from? I mean, it, no. it's unbelievable. Yeah, they think it's they think it just lands there in the store and it, somebody brought it there and nothing. They don't realize the process it takes from the rancher calving that cow out and getting it to to pasture, taking it off that, giving it, feeding it, getting it to the feedlot to wean. Then they sell them. Then they sell those wean calves in a sale barn or in the country to another guy that might grass them 
So he grass them the next summer, and then he sells a feedlot. It, they switch hands a lot of those cattle four or five times before they get to the uh, finished product, you know. Mm. You know what's interesting is, and we'll talk the bull business too, but people who say this bull riding, it's mean to those bulls and blah, blah, blah. Really, it has created, in a sense, a reason for bull to have bulls. Because yeah. there's really, in this whole process, you didn't talk much about bulls. Because yeah. they're not, well, they breed things. That's it. Exactly. And plus, the, the rodeo bull has the best life of any <laughs> beef animal. I'll get well, heck, any animal alive, I think. But especially beef animal. They, they they get to live a way longer life. Like we're talking these cattle that were fat to finish. Well, some of them only live for 11, 12 months from the time they hit, they hit the ground as a calf till they're finished. Well, they don't have much of a lifespan, right? Well, a bucking bull, these great, great bucking bulls, they buck till they're eight or nine years old, 10 years old. Mm-hmm. Smooth operator won a world title at 10. And... They, it, and then them great bulls, they never get slaughtered. They, I've, I've got a, a, you know, people should come to my place and see it. I have a, uh, in the tree rows, I have a grave site with all my great bulls. They never, I don't even take the risk of selling them to somebody else that the chance they could get slaughtered. I, they, they, I spend tens of thousands of dollars keeping them old bulls around that just because I don't want to see them die. Yeah. get get slaughtered and, I, and and somebody eat them so i have smooth operator up there i have pearl harbor up there i have asteroid up there smackdown big Tex, all these great bulls copperhead swinger fellow station deuces wild uh, <laughs> yellow jacket jr there's a there's a grave site up there for all those great bulls they they live out their life till their whole eternity and then they get buried on this ranch um, so you tell me what other animal gets to live like that. Yeah. That you're going to be right there, Chad. You, yep. you got that whole row of bulls and then it's going to say, and here's Chad where he's going to dig is. a big hole. Just right there. By God. Yep, yep. <laughs> the least popular yep. of all the bulls is going to be you. <laughs> <laughs> what a, well, actually our friend Chris is buying all, uh, Cooper tires is going to buy headstones for every one of them. Okay. I have one up there for Pearl Harbor that some people uh, had made for me, but we're going to, we're going to identify each bull and then them headstones will be there for hopefully for eternity. And people will always know mm. what, what lies right there, you know? Yeah. When, uh, when I introduce you as 12 time stock contractor of the year, and I know from, you know, it's probably, you never take it for granted, never get used to it. But what is, when you hear that, that you are voted by bull riders or whoever, that you're the one they appreciate the most, basically is what they're saying. You do the best job. What, basically, what, I've probably got the most bulls, anybody that, you know, we do touring pros, you see them, mm-hmm. we bring the, we bring the whole herd. Not, that's, that's not even possible for anybody else to put on a whole touring pro and, and, uh, well, and I'm the only guy in the history of the sport that did a UTB with all of his bulls. Yeah. No else, no other bulls there, but mine. And uh, so, 
you know, you, you, there's a lot of pride in that to me to, to win that, to let them, uh, that they notice how hard you work to make sure they have good stock to get on. And, and my bull herd, I don't design it about around eliminators and bulls that are big and scary and nobody wants to get on. I, I buy the bulls that really buck, but have timing and them guys love to get on them. And I think that has a little bit of part to do with it. And, you know, I don't want to say I'm smarter than everybody else, but <laughs> I, I try to do, I spend a lot of time figuring out how to become the stock contractor of the year. You know, <laughs> Do you set out to go, by God, I'm going to win stock contractor of the year. Or do you just set out to, to go, I'm going to make this the best because I spend a lot of time with you in the summer. We just did yep. Kalispell Great Falls. We'll go to Deadwood. You do, you know, you do Bismarck and Belcourt and Binford. Mm -hmm. It does take some thought because the reality is you don't have 30 guys that are going to show up that have been world champs or PBR world finals yep. guys. You have just bull riders. You, you, in essence, have to match the bull to the rider in a sense, right? Exactly. Before I ever set a draw, I get the draw in from the PBR I look at the list of riders, and I say, "Ooh, better, better back down a little bit." Or <laughs> if we got a great set of talent coming, I'll I'll step it up. But I try to match it so that we this weekend wasn't didn't really work out. But it I try to match it so we have enough rides, enough to sell the show, and and but yeah, I don't want to bring dinks that there's 75 points on, but bulls that you should ride if you do everything right, and you know, that's what been my theory and, and going back to, do I say I want to win stock contractor year? I never have one time. I always tell my guys, everybody around me, I said, we do our job the very best that we can. I said, don't worry about it. What everybody else is doing. Don't, I ain't got time to worry about what pages or hearts or, or them guys are doing. We have to concentrate on what we're doing. And then we do it the best we can. And when the, when the, when it's time, when the end of the year, when they decide who's stock contractor year, if we win, that's a bonus. Mm -hmm. And that shows that we we did our jobs. But if we're out there worried about what the next guy is doing, you ain't doing your job. Yeah. You, you know, that uh, I learned that a long time ago. It, you don't, I don't never, you, uh, all the years you've known me or anybody's known me, I never talk about my competition. Mm -hmm. I don't talk about them. I don't talk uh if anything i might say something good about them, but i do not talk about them because all i'm doing is advertising for them if it's good or bad i'm just advertising <laughs> for them i concentrate on chadberger bucking bulls and and that's and i have tunnel vision i don't care what goes on around me as long as i'm doing as we're doing what we're supposed to do and make it the best we possibly can we have a when it comes to the end of the year we have a shot mm -hmm. we have a shot to win and if we win then it's just that much better can you make money at it? Yeah, I, I mean, I've heard you say, listen, this isn't where I make my money. I make my money yeah. with my real job, what you just yeah. told us. Where, where is the money in the bull business? I get asked that a lot. I mean, obviously, the per out that you get paid every day at PBR, is it in selling semen? Is it a war? Uh, explain that. Yeah, you know, right now it's real tough with, with uh, semen sales are not, they're, they're pretty slow. And I know I how that slow. goes. <laughs> um, we, I, I do it in a big enough way, and I've got, well, you know, I've got 14 Turing Pros or whatever, I, 
and they're nice contracts where I get all the money and and uh, we hold it together here and we might make a little, but I'm in it for the love of the sport. I'm in it for, you know, uh, <laughs> people ask me or say to me, man, you've really had a good career. <clears throat> I said, what do you mean? Well, all these contractors here. I said, let me tell you something. That ain't my career. It's my hobby and my passion. It's, it's become part of my career, but my career is in the beef industry. I, like I say, I run a lot of cattle. Uh, I buy a lot of cattle on orders. That's my career. That's the career I've had. This, this is something that I love to do. And, and it, it, I mean, uh, it gets me away from all the stuff, like all the headaches you have in your real career. Yeah. And I get to hang out with these young kids. They make you feel young. You don't even realize I'm 60 years old. I don't realize. I, I think I'm like them guys, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's just so fun. And, you know, and, and to watch those bulls buck and the athletes, the athletes, they are, it, that's what, uh, you know, turns my crank or whatever <laughs> you want to call it. That's what, yeah fires me up and you know i've been sitting in them stinky sail barns for 42 years there's nothing exciting about that that's just a way to make a living mm-hmm. you know it, uh but go to these bull ridings and get to meet a lot of fans get to meet a lot of i've met so many great people you know and, and made so many friends you know like the pbr they're just one big to me one big happy family mm-hmm. you know when when i go there and i see Richard Jones and Clint Atkins and Matt West and you and all the, even the guys, you know, I'm not good with names, but the guys are working on the crews that yeah. you've seen there for some of them guys been there 10, 15 years, you know, but that's what I'm, that's what the, what I do it for. It's the, is the camaraderie and the, and the, the love of the sport, you know, and see the greatest riders get on them every weekend. What kind of bull rider were you? How would you just describe yourself? You're looking at yourself when you were 20. How would you describe yourself as a bull rider? Well, you know, I was, I could ride some of the rankest bulls my dad had, and then I could fall off of 19 pointer, but I was, I could, I won a lot of money. I won a lot of buckles and trophies and uh, stuff like high school rodeos. Me and my brother-in-law Skinner, there was eight high school rodeos when we were seniors. I won four of the bull ridings. He won four of the bull ridings. You know, I was second once. He was second once. So we went into state finals tied. You could only take your best five rodeos. I mean, I was I was that caliber. I just, I, I got married when I was 20 years old. I had two kids by the time I was 22. And I had, I was buying cattle. I was buying semi-trailers, bull wagons. And I pretty soon I had six bull wagons. I'm 23 years old and I got all this stuff going on. And I just, I still rode a long time, but it's an amateur rodeos. It's some circuit rodeos. And I did well, you know, I, I like to say, I'm like these guys. No, I could, if I wanted to be maybe, yeah, if I would, but I was, I was the kind of guy that I had two kids and I was scared to death that, I had to make, I had to make sure these kids had clothes to wear, food to eat, and you know I, I just took full responsibility at 20 years old. It's like, wow, you know. And so yeah, and then I got to a point where I had so much invested in these trucks and trailers and all this that I thought I was talking one day. I said, Jesus Christ, so I'd break a leg or break 
knacker. I, I could lose it all because I had to be at them sales during the week to keep them trucks a rolling and trailers making money and, and me making money. So I just, one day, I think I was 29 years old and I just said, I'm done. Piss on it. You know? Yeah. Well, you I rode, but I did everything. You know, I rode every, I rode Bronx, Burbacks, I team roped, I cap roped, I bulldogged, I cow cut. I did every event you could think that we had at them years. I'd, I'd done it. And I'd done it all, you know, fairly well, I'd say. Saddle Bronc riding, when I was a senior in high school, I needed 47 points to win the nation. I just had to ride my horse. He'd come out three jumps, flipped up over end over end, landed on me and snapped my arm off right here. It, you know, cost me the world's title. Uh, that was the same year, Cody Lambert. He, he come in, I come in like third place. He come in first or second. He missed his horse out to win. He only needed to be like 42 points. <laughs> well, at least you broke your arm. Now I can yeah. Now I can torture him about that. I didn't know he was there yeah. the same time. Yeah, he, he missed his horse out the same day. I didn't, and, think, uh, I didn't think Cody Lambert ever made a ride that wasn't correct. I thought he did it right every time. Am I wrong? Yeah, I don't know what happened. I don't there. know that day. We were both, and both of us, you know, as seniors in Fargo, we were both only 17 years old. We were like the young people in your class, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was born in August. He was born later in the fall. And uh, so, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, I, I, I had what I'd call great success. And then in the 90s, I got bored and I started buying some ho- uh, head horse, I bought a head horse. I went roping, and in 1994, I won seven saddles and a three-horse slant trailer in one summer. <laughs> I mean, I just got to where I'd, I'd go over and practice at Lee Allen's, and, and uh, you know, me and Scott Allen went to the USTRCA oh. finals in 93, <clears throat> and we were like eight se- or five seconds, six seconds ahead, going high team back in the nine, in the, and... Uh, he co- I snapped the head on the loop on. He comes around, feels him, double hocks him, and pantyhose him, and couldn't get to his horn. And he's out there farting. He got his rope up in his air. His horse went a 360 round, went down. We still end up third, but that's how much time we had to win it all. We went from 9,000, from like 48,000 a man to 9,000 a man. <laughs> you know, no one screw up. But so I, I, uh, I mean, I, I was real sick. I won 13 saddles in about seven years, but I won seven of them in that one year. Where are they? Where but, are they all? Where's all the saddles? Do you have them? Well, there's some here back right behind me. <laughs> uh, about five or six of them burned up in the same spot we're sitting in. There was a barn there, and I had a stack room. They burned up. Lacey and Juwan went in and got about four of them. And actually, a couple of them, ones I didn't like, I sold them for two, 300 bucks. You know, they were ugly saddles, just cheap saddles. I could want one one up in uh, White Shield one time. It was just, uh, looked like they got it off the Sears and Roebuck, you know. I won't tell them you said that. If but I got knows. some very nice saddles that I really like, you know, that I won a hand to uh, Gary Gabbard saddle, handmade saddles, some of them. And them USCRCA rope and saddles. I won the North Dakota one twice and the South Dakota one once. And, they're really nice saddles. Huh. Got all them around. We ride quite a few of them. Yeah. All this, all this stuff I didn't know. All these years, I just go to your yeah. house and eat steaks and leave. Right. Uh, oh yeah, I, didn't I, know I, all that. I was uh, 
when I was a senior in high school, I boxed 137 pounds. I was a golden glove boxer. And uh, I weighed about 145, 150, but I'd go down 137 for state. And uh, that same year, I won three, uh, three of the Bulldogs at the high school rodeo. So you know what I weighed. But I had muscles. <laughs> Hell, you're we not square bales. <clears throat> we all square bales all summer long. You're a you know. one thirty-seven. Hell, that's not. You're about. You're close to that now. I saw you on the treadmill the other day. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So one guy asked me. He said, "Would you ever want to ride a bull again?" I said, "Well, there's about 110 pounds of me that's never been on one." <laughs> <laughs> that's <Period>. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> First bull. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. But you were you and I've talked. You went to you. And I think of this because uh, after this, this next week, I'm going to the college national finals to watch my daughter. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were a college rodeo. I don't know if you noticed, I got my Miles Community College rodeo yeah, team. My I was Dawson, buddy. Uh, I'm Dawson Community College, buddy. My, my daughters are not. I told them I was coming to do this and said I had my Miles City shirt on. My one said, it's, you're going to the college finals? You can't wear a Miles City, but you were Glendive, right? Yep, Dawson College. Yeah, Buccaneers. Weren't they the Buccaneers or something? I think they're the I think they are the Buccaneers. Yeah, yeah. they are. Yeah. No, that's but the high school's the Devils. Yeah, the I Buccaneers. Went with some of the greatest guys like Chuck Simonson, uh, Larry Peabody, me, Mark Coon. Uh, gosh, I can't think of all of them. Kevin Jeffries. And, uh, they won the nation in 1981, and uh, that was with Chuck, me, and. And I, well, I was out with a knee, I had a knee surgery, but Chuck, Larry Peabody, Skinner, uh, huh. God, I can't remember all the guys, but that's the only time Dawson ever won it, the 1981. Huh. You guys kind of. I think a couple of years later, they got blacklisted for a couple of years. They were <laughs> doing something wrong. <laughs> Look at you. You weren't in on, you weren't one of those corrupt, like Eric Dickerson well, at SMU. What, what they do for you? It was, literally, it was. Pretty good time, you know. Uh, we had uh, all of our books tuition paid, a place to live. Uh, we got uh, what do they call a work study or something. My job was I was supposed to go out and push roping steers. I never did show up. I got 140 bucks every two weeks or whatever it was. <laughs> it was it was. Uh, and then the the greatest thing was Tom Ree. He was our rodeo advisor, wonderful guy, egg teacher. But he was our egg teacher, so. When we go take our egg tests, he would get up and leave the room. And then about two minutes before we had have our test turned in, he from about 15 feet from the door, he'd start stomping his feet when he was walking so we could all get back in our chairs and get because we were getting each other's answers. (laughs) (laughs) This is like But we were all eligible. (laughs) This is it sounds like Louisville or basketball or Arizona basketball. It was so awesome. It was uh, a great time. You, uh, your place there, and I've been out oh, there. Oh, Ivan Tegan was there. Oh, I Ivan Tegan. Ivan Tegan. Oh, I know Ivan. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good group. That was a really yeah. good group. Um, yeah, it sure was. Uh, oh, Marty Jandrew. Yeah. He went to NFR after that. They were all Dawson. It's a, kids don't go, if a kid is good at 18 nowadays, they, they don't, rough stock, especially, timed event guys will. But Roughstock, there's so many avenues to go excel at Roughstock and make money when you're 18 yeah. that a lot of Roughstock guys don't go to college. I see it uh, at the it's college. It's a shame, finals. really. Yeah. It's a shame because uh, it was, I mean, that was great. Right? All them great world champions in the 80s and 90s and 
70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, they all want to, most of them won a world title mm -hmm. at college or they were, that's where they got better. And, and uh, now it's, uh, uh, I don't know, it just ain't the camaraderie for the college teams and stuff just ain't like it used to be. Yeah. Um, your place there, and I've been out there, and you talk about your family. Your whole family, you got Lacey and her husband, JR, and you got Sadie around and your wife, Sarah, and John's been around a little bit. Yeah. It, it's Your whole family has chipped in. They they help run the whole operation. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, my oldest daughter, Lacey, she does so much around here. She does all the book work, and, you know, and we breed about 100 and some of them rodeo cows, and she keeps all the lineage the blood work and get some paper sent in and uh she she just does anything i need her to do and lay sadie she's uh uh she's a little uh, more uh, uh uh what do you call them girls and <laughs> but anyway she works really hard now she i could have gone the, a bad way <laughs> she does uh she does all the ordering and buying and selling of our merchandise merchandise yeah she does uh, a lot of our social media she's your she, marketing uh, she's your marketing person yeah. yeah she's kind of the marketing person john he helps around here he's uh he, he's a lot like me and that's why we don't get along real well <laughs> two bullheads you know but uh he's a good good bull man he's he's really a good bull man i wish he'd uh take a little more grab the bull by the horns a little more. But uh, then I got great help. Delbert Noose and Derek Bevington and Juan. I've got a guy here, Juan Gonzalez, been with me for 14 years. He's, had, he's got six kids. They're 11 on down. They're all born right on this ranch. Huh. They come running up, playing up here in my yard all the time and come see me. They're like my grandkids. But they're all born right here. You know, it, uh, I have houses all over this place because my theory is if you have a hired man, his family should be with him on the ranch. So when they go home for lunch, they spend time with their wife, their kids. It's uh, it's not like you're going on a nine to five and you don't you don't see your kids. And I try to keep it all family orientated and keep everybody happy. It ain't always that easy to do because <laughs> you know one thinks the other one ain't doing this or that, and you mm. and Man, I get I get it all. I mean, it all comes right here, yeah. and I have to figure out I have to figure out how to make make it work, and we do. But you know what I always say, uh, Chad? I always say that's what happens when your name's on the sign. When your name's yeah. on the sign, that's yeah. all your you yeah. got to take care of it. Everybody said, "Boy, it must be nice to be me." I said, "Yeah, it is, but not all the time." One, <laughs> <laughs> hey, one. I know one. Is he Jose or? Do you call him Jose or is that? A no, he's his a brother. He's got a brother, Jose, works for me too. And then the other brother's uh, Hose B, right? Isn't you always B, yeah. Jose and Hose B? Yeah, yeah. Chico's Hose B. <laughs> they told yeah. me they introduced themselves one time. We were eating yeah. in the VIP room and it, I said, he said, I'm Jose. I said, oh, and the other one said, I'm Hose B. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's a, uh, you know, I wouldn't change anything. You know, uh, I bring a lot of work on myself and a lot of stress, but you know, that's what I thrive. I thrive on that. I thrive on, on trying to be the best at what we do and do. Yeah. So yeah, I, I take on more events probably than I should and all that kind of stuff. But 
you know what? At the end of the day, that's what I love to do. Yeah. What a, in your bull deal, um, you know, I've had Cord McCoy on here. Is I, I really cheer for Cord. I, I think he works hard and he's got some cool bulls and I, I think he does it, markets it the right way. And I talked to him about, you know, his percentage of his bull business that's breeding and the percent that's kind of acquiring. You got it. Mm. Do you kind of have to have a balance? You breed your own, but you, if you see a chance, like he said, if, if there's a really good player on another team, you work something out to get that player on your team. It, are you, yeah. it, you do have that balance as well in your I think business? I have a pretty good balance, but I probably buy more bulls than them guys do mm-hmm. because I go, I do way more events than they do. I need a lot more bulls, you know, uh, we're, like we're talking these 14 touring pros, those guys got none. I mean, they might take, uh, one guy might have a touring pro in, uh, Eastern Oklahoma and they, each guy there brings five or six bulls. I do 14 of them and I take three semi loads, you know, to everyone. So yeah, I have to buy more just to, on the workload that I take on. There's no way you could raise enough bulls to, uh, and then, and have them groomed and ready to go. And I have to have bulls for big sky, which are kind of my better, some of my better bulls. Then I have to have bulls for, for great falls. Great falls. Where I got to have weaker. I, I, I can't just have, I have, I mean, like I said, I try to set the draw to the talent. Well, if I have, just a few all great bulls. Well, they, I'm, I'm no good for Benford or Belcourt or them. They, they don't need me. I, I think that's a mistake fans make, and I think it's a mistake that a lot of stock contractors make. I don't know that fans understand. Your goal every time is not to buck everybody off. I think people look at guys that own bulls and think it makes your day if you buck everybody off. That is not true, is it? <laughs> There's a lot of them that do because they don't they don't have anything to do with the production, okay? Right. Yeah. So they want to buck everybody off and brag about their bulls and, but I I I'm hired to put on a production, and so my job is to make sure that when them people leave, they they loved it, right? Not uh-huh. say oh everybody bucked off or all oh, them bulls didn't buck or so it's my job to set them pens, and and put on a production. And so I have a lot of weight on my shoulders where if somebody just hired me, say, Hey, bring me 20 bulls. I'll bring them 20 buckets. Some bitch. I want to see bucket throw everybody off and I'll get my check and laugh on the way home. But I can't, I'm getting paid very, very well from Andy Watson and from, from all uh, Eric glad and these people to make sh- sure I put on a great show. We're in the, enter- and- we're in the entertainment business. That's I think it. people forget that. That's it. We're not in the we're not in the see how good your bulls are business. We're in the for that's why I hate and and you can you can step in here, but that's why I hate classics at a at a at a <sighs> UTB. <clears throat> oh, I've, yeah. It totally ruins your production. They fight the shoots. They lay down. The bull riders don't know them. They fall off. They buck, and some of them buck like heck, but. At the end of the day, you had a shit show. Yeah, and I don't know. You know, I'm probably going to catch hell from somebody. No, I've. But. I'll. I will step in. I. Uh, uh, I spoke 
out even on my stage show at the PBR World Finals. And for people listening, the classic bulls are the, the top three and four-year-old bulls. And you're right. They're, they're, not, they're not seasoned. They, they're hard to ride. And I spoke up and said, I do not think the, a night at the World Finals or two is a place to buck young bulls. We're in the entertainment business. We are crowning a world champion. So I have spoken out in public yeah. completely what you're saying. We're in the entertainment business. It's not a, a yeah. good show. Yeah, I think they're fine for somewhere, but I think if you've got a televised show, I don't care if it's a UTB or a World Finals, if you have a televised show, they have no business with them because they, they ruin your show. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not into that. I'm not into ruining. Uh, like I said, if I was just going somewhere and I wanted to buck everybody off, the fine and dandy, and nobody knows. But I have a, I have a duty to every one of them committees to make sure that they have a production they can be proud of and award a champion and and try and fill the short go up. That's my 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 goal is to fill the short go up. That's my goal when I leave. Okay, mm-hmm. well, I'm not there to buck everybody off. I'm there to fill that short go. I'm there to make have a few great rides and the people go crazy and and they buy and then they go over to Chad Burgers. Uh, trailer and buy a cap. <laughs> selling. You're that's, selling shit here. You're still That's you're, what I'm into, buddy. That's what I'm into. A, de- a jean jacket. But, I need a couple of new jean jackets. And, and you know, I think a lot of those buyer bull riders see that and know that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I have a little, I don't know if I want to call it a trick, or, but I'll bet you 90% of the people that set to draw don't do what I do. You know, my first section of bulls, because I, I run like one through 40, and that's how they buck them, right? Mm-hmm. The way I turn the list in, they just draw the Cowboys to that bull. Well, them first two or three bulls, everybody in the world is supposed to ride them, okay? Mm-hmm. I said, a, said a, that first section is to get the momentum, get two, three rides, uh-huh. and maybe four rides. But that's what sets your tempo for that whole bull ride. If you start slamming them heads in the dirt, the first five, ten bulls, that just your momentum goes like this. Yeah, well, you ride me. three or four in the first section. Your momentum goes like this. Yeah, it's so. funny. You're hey, you were talking about selling, selling a hat or a jean jacket. There's a movie. Remember the old movie Coming to America with Eddie Murphy and Oh God, yeah. And and when they they their luggage got stolen the next day, they stepped out and everybody's walking around with their clothes on. Remember that? <laughs> That's how I felt when I the first time I went to Binford, North Dakota, and. Everybody in town had a Chad Burger Bucking Bulls denim jacket. And I said, holy crap. Everybody <laughs> had coat. You're marketing, man. You got it out well, there. Okay. You know, one night in Kalispell, Montana. Okay. Sadie sells $9,500 worth of merchandise. And Friday night in Kalispell. I don't know what she did close to that Saturday night in Great Falls. A little less people, a little less. But I mean, where do you... Uh, and all it says is Chad Berger or a smooth operator or whatever. It's nothing. It's, but they're really cool looking jackets. They're really cool. You know, and people love them. Yeah. Uh, um, my banker sent me a picture from Queen Creek, Arizona this winter. They had a bull riding down there and there's about six natives standing on the one on the far end of where the shoots were standing down on the ground. He takes a picture and sends it to me. There's six Chad Burger <laughs> team jackets on six that's, Navajos. That's down your, in. that's your demo though. That's your yeah. that's your demo. Okay, you have to tell just for the people. Every time I see Chad Burger behind the shoot, when you came on 
the screen here. Hey, hey it's, it's you. you. You got to tell everybody where that came from. Tell that story. It's the, it's the greatest story greatest. ever. I laughed for two hours afterwards. <laughs> but I'm I'm driving in North Dakota on Highway 83. I'm coming from Linton, and I get stopped at Moffitt. There's a road construction. There's a guy with a stop sign there, and, and I look at him, and he's got a Chad Berger camouflage cap on. Big native guy. Probably weighed close to 300. And so I rolled my window down. I said, hey, you got a nice cap there. Well, he says, thank you, sir. And he looks down in the window, and he says, Hey, it's you. He said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the best. I laugh from Ma- Moffitt's about 35 miles uh, from Mandan, and I laughed the whole way. I called up everybody I could think of telling yeah, them about it. You've told me. And then I called you not long ago. I was in great clips or went in for a haircut, and there was two native guys sitting there waiting for a haircut, and they both had Chad Burger buck and bull caps on. <laughs> and I had to call you it. Uh, yeah, I just that's all I could think was, hey, it's you. It's it's amazing. I get people calling me from uh, telling me they seen a guy in Atlanta airport with a Chad Burger coat on, or yeah, or I got a picture from the Final Four a year ago when it was Minneapolis. Somebody took a picture, guy wearing a Chad Burger bucket <laughs> jacket in the at the Final Four, and they're all over the place. Yeah. It's just cool, you know. Uh, so when I first started this deal, everybody I everybody had one I knew, you know. Yeah. But how they just, they go, my daughter ships, literally ships to Australia, France, New Zealand, all, uh, you know, all over the, not just in the United States. Mm. Yeah. Hey, uh, on those bulls that you breed in your program, you know, there's the, the kid out there that everybody's predicting his future when he's 12 years old in junior high and they're saying he's never going to be a basketball player or he's going to be the greatest basketball player in the world and they end up predicting wrong. Are bulls the same? Like how many how many would you say in general you know when they're a yearling or a 2-year-old do you how many chances do you give them? Or do the great ones are the great ones like Chris Shivers when you see them you know right away? Like well you know, you have to give them a little chance, some of them, because some of them, if you get like, I'll give you a prime example. There was a bull in the PBR called Locomotive Breath mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. Little gray muley. That was my dad raised that bull. And when we bucked him at home here, he just run laps around the arena. <laughs> fast he could run. And a guy from South Dakota, Randy Curtis, that boy named Brian, was high school rodeo, and he asked my dad if he could, come pick up three, four bulls for his kid to practice on. Well, my dad sent that bull, you know, figured that'd be a good one for a young kid to practice on. Well, a couple months later, I'm in Bowman at the cattle sale. Miss Randy Curtis shows up. He said, Chad, there's a gray millionaire that'll spin a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. I said, yeah, around the fence. <laughs> no, he said in the gate around the left spin a hundred miles an hour. Well, that bull, if you wouldn't have given it a while, he would, nobody would ever know or heard a locomotive breath because my dad wouldn't give that bull that many chances. Yeah. He just looked like he was going to be terrible, you know. But then there's that, them bulls that are pretty good and they just get better every time you buck them. Them are the ones I really like because they learn how to buck. They learn how to get rank. And then you, some of them bulls that are, the first time you buck them are so rank, that's the, that's the very best trip they ever did in their whole life. They never buck like that again. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a 
it's kind of a game of knowledge and game of trying to figure out your animals and which ones you you know there's some that you know ain't absolutely going to make it you, you know some that you got to work with a little bit yeah okay i'm going to tell you some bulls <clears throat> and just give me a couple thoughts about each bull all right does that make sense mm-hmm. whether it's emotional whether it's quality i'll start with my favorite bull of all time personality wise and everything little yellow jacket well little yellow jacket was as close to a human being as I've ever been around and a bull that I've ever been around in my life. He just knew, he knew when the stakes were high. He knew, you know, one time in Billings, I'm, you remember Ross Johnson? Mm-hmm. He was in the PBR. Yep. He's probably most famous for when he got his spur hooked yep. in for a half hour. In North Carolina. Work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyways, or wherever it was. <laughs> Anyways, he, uh, we were standing there and they were introduced. They used to always introduce a bull, remember mm-hmm. at the, at the opening. And they're introducing little yellow jacket and he's walking around out there and there's two fire flames there. And he stands right between them two walks in between them two fire flames. And when they said the bull's name is little yellow jacket, that bull just reared in the air and went like this here and went down that Ross Johnson said, did you see that? That son of a bitch is human. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, and and, uh, when he bucked for that million dollars for Chris Shivers, yeah. He never bucked so hard in his entire life. Then he walked from down to one end of the chutes and looked at the crowd, walked all with the with the middle gate open, walked right past it, all the way to the other end of the corner of the crowd and looked at him and turned around and walked out. He's my favorite. He was the coolest bull I've ever been around in my life. Me too. Favorite of all time. Yep. Favorite bull. Um, Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor was, <laughs> I have a hard time still yeah. talking about him, but he was such a, he was a big bull. He weighed about 1,900. He could weigh he could weigh 1875 to 1950, just depending on the condition. But he was so athletic, and he did he was he was the opposite of the yellow jacket. He didn't want nobody buy him. If you came to, to look at him, he'd go stand over in the corner. But if you, you he could be running down an alley, a 14, 16 foot alley, and if you were hiding and you spooked him, that bull could jump off all fours. And he would land on the other side of that 14 foot aisle alleyway because that he was just, that's how he was. He was yeah. just like a cat. He yeah. was so cool. Up, yeah. up until, uh, Jose and Wupa came along. Um, yeah. JB Mooney on Pearl Harbor in Sioux Falls. Just the whole situation was the best live bull ride I had ever seen just in the whole atmosphere. Yeah. JB couldn't get on his first one and it was a 15, yeah. 15. Anyway, that bull, he was cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I still say to this day, yeah, that ride, what you're talking about, and that ride of Cooper to Davis and uh, more uh, Atlantic City, Atlantic City, yes. New Jersey, are two are the two best bull rides in PBR history. When you talk, they might so- not be the highest scores, yeah, but they're the best ride. Okay, uh, smooth operator bulls are rank. Right, some bulls are hard to ride. Smooth operator cool. was the other one I was going to tell. Yeah. yeah, smooth operator, coolest bull. Uh, I mean, I loved him to death. He just, and that bull came for so much adversity, so many, uh, injuries and that we had to nurse him through. And, but he, he was so great that I just kept working with him and kept working with him. And, and at the age of nine and 10, he was a world champion bucking bull. Uh-huh. And he got hurt when he was five. And I, I know he would have won the world that year. He was so rank that 
it was uh, ranker than he ever was. But he 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 hurt himself bucking so hard, and uh, he, the, he was, <clears throat> Cooper Davis. Cooper Davis on Smooth Operator in Atlantic City. We joked it was the greatest bull ride that nobody saw. Remember, there was about yeah. a thousand people there. Yeah, like on a Sunday yeah. afternoon in Atlantic City. It was. It was awesome. Brandon Bates it said was, that. That's the good. That he could have been ninety-seven points that day. Yeah, I remember. Um, what about you? Kind of gave Asteroid a chance, didn't you? Yeah, he was towards. It was like trading for Kareem Abdul-Jabbar when he was forty. Or you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did, and you know he he come out firing right away. And he, even with two years, he got ridden one time in two years that I had him, and that was right here in Bismarck. And Jess Lockwood was had a spur hung and rope hanging off, almost head almost hitting the ground for the last three or four seconds, and. Uh, that's the only time that bull was ever rolled was all the time I had him. Mm. And, he, uh, but he was a big baby too, wasn't he? That bull, he oh was gentle. Yeah. Oh, God, we got pictures out here, videos of seven, eight of them bull riders in the pen all scratching on him at one time. Mm. And my, we got a really cool video of Mary Sue, my sister-in-law, jumping on him off the fence, sitting on him. And, <laughs> and he started to walk off. She hung on the fence. Fell down and your sister. Uh, I know your sisters in law. Yeah, and they would do that. Oh, what a cool yeah. bull! That was that bull was so awesome. Am I missing one? What What's an older bull that I might be missing? You You listed some that well, are buried. Big Tex was. Uh, he was always a world contender, just big and rank, and you know, and we had that fifty thousand dollar match against Bones in Birmingham, mm-hmm. Alabama, and Big Tex won, and. Uh, so he was another one of my favorite bulls that uh, almost won a title. He was uh, he, uh, he had the most back when they voted on by Cowboys. Uh, he had the most votes going in that one year, and then my other bull that I was partners on, Cold Blue, beat about. Hmm. But uh, so Cold Blue is another one mm-hmm. that sure needs to be talked about. He was a great bull, and one of my all-time favorite bulls was Copperhead Slinger. Yeah, he was big and mean and scary and and i my greatest memory is in massachusetts wooster with matt bowen on him and he bucked matt bowen off on him and shorty gorham come in to save him and he matt was on the left side and shorty was on the right side of him he took his left arm horn and threw matt bowen about 10 feet in the air and in the same motion come and hooked with his right horn hooked shorty gorham and shot him 10 feet the other way they're just like Matt wasn't even on the ground yet when Shorty was going up. It was, uh, and that bull, he had the coolest thing when he, when we fed him grain, we always had a, a big rubber tub, right? And he'd lick out that tub and he'd get it all clean and he'd bite it and he'd throw it in the air and it turned upside down and he'd walk over and get drink water. And if it didn't flip over, he'd grab it again until it flipped upside down. He, he might do it two times, three times. But he'd play with it and bite it and throw it in the air until it's on the other side. That's a good clip right there, Logan, for a commercial. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, um, yeah. and, hey, oh, I got a video of it somewhere. Uh, and then uh, my, and I, I, got, I cannot mention Fella Station Deuces Wild because he was my first great bowl, short round bowl that was uh, got me to go where I could go anywhere I want. He was my first great bowl. And, uh, you know, Just McBride was the first guy to ride him in Billings for like 94 or something. Mm. And 
But I could go all of them. Oh, I, I know. Mean, I had so many great bulls. So you have one. Uh, you had the bull of the finals of the world finals this year. Is that a young? How old is that? Bull? Nighthawk no, is that? He's uh, six coming seven, but uh, he's well, hasn't been used all that much. And and I really think uh, you know I might be speaking out of turn, but he was the very best bull out of the out of the best bulls in the world at the finals, and. You don't get hauled, you know, with me campaigning him and getting him to the right spots, I think he's got a, as good a shot as any bull you can talk mm-hmm. about, whoop or, or riding solo or whatever. But I think he's got as good a chance as any one of them bulls to be in the game for next yeah. year. If, if he stays sound and if, you know, everything, you know, to be a world champion bucking bull, everything has to go just right. Mm-hmm. Just like the world champion bull rider, yeah, it's not you know they got to stay healthy. Number one, they you know they get hurt just like the riders do. They get you have to lay them off for a while, let them heal up. You know they miss some events they should be at, but you know if we can strategize where he needs to go, and I think we got a legitimate shot. You could see mm-hmm. Night uh, Hawk going at it uh, mm-hmm. next Sunday morning in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, next May. Uh, one more thing. Cause I get asked this a lot and I'm sure you do. When you put a name of a bull up there, it's Chad Berger, Clay Struve, Flint Rasmussen, but you know, Clay Struve is a good partner of yours, but what does it take? It's a little like having your name owning a racehorse, right? What if yeah. I, if I want my name on Nighthawk, I want, I want to help own that bull with you. <clears throat> what is the process? What do I have to do? How do, what do I got to come up with to, well, to do that? Come up with some cash. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> we do a contract and we, and uh, I have a lot of great partners. I've had partners for, well, Clay's been my partner since 2005. You know, that's, what is that? 17 years. I've had a lot of great partners for a long time, but my deal is to tell them the way it is and don't promise them any roses is all it's all you got is dandelions don't sell them roses <laughs> and just do things right you know and uh i have a lot of great partners that want to invest with me and want to have some bulls and and there's no big money unless you hit land on a smooth operator or something like that they all got their money back plus interest and plus more but uh if you you know generally those people it's they're on there because they love the sport they love the uh, bulls. There's, uh, you know as well as I do, uh, when you uh, ask the crowd, the, the cheers down there is loud, if not louder, for the bull. If they ask who's here for the bulls or who's for the riders. So a lot of people become bull fans, and and they want to own a bull. They want to own part interest in a bull, and they can come, they can come to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and buck that bull and stand in the crowd and say, you know, tell the people sitting next to them that, that's her bull or his bull or, <laughs> and it's a thing of, man, hell, how many people love to buy racehorses? Uh, I'll guarantee these people only the most they can lose their investment. Cause I don't charge them for feed or hay or vets or yeah. anything. They can, they can lose as much as their investment. You buy a racehorse that don't win. And I'm going to tell you something, you lose your investment and, and then a whole lot more <laughs> for the trainer and the, entropies and all that you know what's your bull what's the little black bull that bucked off jose it was jose's re-ride at the world finals safety meeting safety meeting and the the chiropractor from 
Minnesota. From Minnesota is part owner. Is he part oh, owner? Absolutely. In that? They've, that's their second bull they bought. They've, and man, if they had a, a long ride with the safety meeting, you know, and the, the, I really love it because it creates more fans, uh-huh. you know, like, okay. The guy from Minnesota, uh, the chiropractor, there's, he's got hundreds of friends that follow <laughs> the PBR just because of safety meeting, which they would, they would never follow it otherwise. And, and now they'll follow it after safety meeting because they became fans of buck and bulls and PBR and bull riding. Yeah. So it, it, uh, this partnership deal, you know, the PBR should take more interest in it and make sure that when they put their names up there, they're up there. That's the time they don't put your deal up there, which means nothing to me, but it means a lot to my partners, you know, and these partners that everybody has, not just me, they create not only them as a fan, all their friends and family and, and the people in the town they live, they all know, they all know safety meeting there. He's like a hero in deep river falls, Montana, Minnesota, Yeah, you know? So mm. it, it, it creates a lot of these fans or partners create lots more fans, mm. you know, and that's PBR needs to capitalize on that. Okay. Yeah. They, 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 they capitalize on that. It, it just, everything comes. Yeah. The thing I need to capitalize on is when I see you end of the month in Binford, I need a couple uh, Chad Burger Buck and Bull jean jackets for some family. You got it, buddy. So, okay. <laughs> That's hey, what I need I to capitalize. To see your mom and dad. I wanted to see your mom and dad in Great Falls. Never got to see them. But if they don't have one, I thought your dad, I'd give him one, but maybe you don't. He might have one. I think it's my but brother, the judge. We got to make sure we've. We uh, wardrobed him. Okay, I'll get. Him. <laughs> I'll take care of him. Uh, I hope you have a good time at the college finals next week. Yeah, and I'm you sorry. Know, uh, uh, you know, I know I've gone to Bismarck for a long time, and I, I, I left Casper last year with my daughter winning the goat tying, and I, I came to Bismarck and I had a ball at Bismarck, but I told my daughter Paige, I said, I'll never do that to you again, and so I, well, you know. It's uh yeah, it's very important to do that, and it it uh, breaks my heart you ain't in Bismarck, but it it makes me happy to know you're doing something that you need to do. Yeah, well, listen, th- I learned a lot today, Chad. I appreciate yeah. it. I learned something every time. You learn a lot more too. <laughs> okay, I know. Yeah, well, uh, there, there's there is that Sadie. Is that Sadie that just Sadie Rose. That's Sadie. Sadie, set aside a couple jean jackets. Sadie, I need a couple. There you go. Thank you, Chad. I appreciate (laughs) the time, always. Hey, wonderful.